Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hello, and welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today we're going to change it up a little bit and have a little bit different style. We're going to do a Q&A. So I went on my personal Facebook page and reached out to everyone and asked for, for people to submit questions that they would want answered. And uh, so today I'm going to go through those and try to give the best possible answers I can to some of the questions that were given to me on Facebook. So first... Looks like we have, <clears throat> excuse me, a question from Cassie DeHaas, who is my partner slash real estate agent at Titanium Realty. She asked me, what is my favorite investing strategy? So this is kind of in transition right now. Um, if you'd asked me a year ago, it would have been wholesaling. Um, I think that's probably one of the easiest ways and the quickest ways to get started in real estate investing for obvious reasons. You know, you don't need a, a ton of cash to get started in wholesaling. Um, there's less liability with taking on projects and there's good money to be made in it. You know, we have built titanium investments around wholesaling and and it's enabled us to broaden our horizons into new strategies and that's kind of why my feelings are kind of shifting more towards rental properties and cash flow um we have used wholesaling as a means to build our business to the point now where our focus is going to be shifting towards long-term buy and hold assets that focus on cash flow. So for a beginner, my favorite strategy would be wholesaling, but long-term it's going to be buy and hold and, and to be rental properties and to be a landlord. The next question is from a former guest, the connector himself, Brandon Richards out of Dallas, Texas. He says, how do you approach or attract private money lenders without tooting your own horn or does it require tooting? Good question. So, you know, I'm going to refer back to an episode we had with Ryan Shalaba out of uh, uh, Pennsylvania. And, you know, he was talking about raising private capital and, and one of his I guess best techniques is on the first of every month when he's writing checks to his private money lenders, he takes a picture of the checks and he shows the amounts and he covers everything else up and he posts that on Facebook and he says, why aren't you getting one of these checks? If you're interested, reach out to me or something along those lines. And is that kind of tooting your own horn, eh, maybe a little bit, but 
but it's kind of in an indirect way of saying if you're thinking about investing or if you have money sitting in an account and you're looking for a higher return, maybe I have a solution for you. And and for me personally, you know, I, I'm not flashy. I, I, I don't like the over-the-top post on Facebook, but... I am active on Facebook and I do let people know what I do. And that has generated a lot of interest from private money lenders reaching out to me saying, is there an opportunity for us to work together? So that to me is probably the best way is just getting yourself out there. And and Brandon, I mean, you already do it. I mean, you're you, we talked about it in your interview. You're highly active on social media. Um, I think you're you're doing a good job there as is to to generate that kind of activity and then you know once the opportunities present themselves you know people will let you know if they're interested in being a private money lender that's kind of the experience that I've had is that for the most part because I tell people what I do those people the private money lenders come to us all right, let's see. We got Brian Loveless, who is a real estate agent, realtor, investor here in Dallas-Fort Worth. He says, have you ever had a note called due when trying to do a wraparound for an owner finance? How do you get around this risk? I'm trying to get more into owner finance deals in 2018 and have been warned by my real estate attorney that that aspect can be a big downside. I personally have never had a note called. Um, it's always been one of our biggest fears as well, um, especially if you're doing like a subject two. You know, when we do a subject two, um, we do send a letter to the original lender letting them know that we are doing a subject to and we are taking over the payments, even though I I don't like using that phrase, taking over the payments, but we're letting them know that we do a subject to. And in return, we've never had a, you know, a note called on the do and sell clause or anything like that. You know, I, I think there's more experienced people in this field. You know, I, I, we you know, somewhere between 10 to 20 deals we've done like this. So not over the top experience in this field, but we never had one called. So I would definitely say don't fear, don't have that fear stop you from that strategy, especially if the opportunity arises. And just always have a plan for another exit strategy. Have a you know, a private money lender that you can call if, if the note does get called or have a plan in place where you can refinance the property quickly. Brian also has another question. Does pineapple belong on pizza? I, I found this question pretty funny because I have, you know, a long time experience working at Pizza Hut back in the day. And uh, I have a, a pretty pretty strong opinion about this. Pineapple only belongs on pizza if it's going to be with a, another topping that is spicy. That's it. Pineapple and ham? No, that's gross. Pineapple and jalapenos? Excellent. So there you go, Brian. That's my opinion on pineapple on pizzas. 
Jeremy Demers, who is a realtor and an investor and my partner out in Phoenix, Arizona. He says, would you compare managing your own project versus turning it over to a general contractor? So there's benefits in both of those scenarios. Managing your own project, obviously you don't have to rely on the GC. You can sub things out yourself a little bit more hands-on and and you don't have to worry about someone else managing the project for you. So for someone like myself who is a little bit controlling naturally and and prefer to be more hands-on, obviously, you know, we at Titanium Investments, we've even hired a project manager who helps us manage our projects that we can constantly keep eyeballs on our, on our flips or rehabs. Um, I prefer that. Um, but there's also benefits to hiring a general contractor. You know, I mean, if it's someone you trust and, and you know that they do good work and you can establish that relationship with them, there's a benefit to not having to check on a project regularly. Um, or, more frequently, I shouldn't say regularly because you should still be checking on your project regularly, but not as frequently because essentially that GC is taking the place of that project manager. And so there's, there's definitely a benefit to it, but then also there's the cost aspect as well. So it really just depends on the project and kind of your bandwidth as a, a business. Um, I wouldn't say there's I haven't seen a rehabber who has proven to me that one way is better than the other. Um, some of the big time rehabbers that I've seen their shops, I've talked to them. They've been guests on the podcast like Don Costa. Um, he still hires general contractors, but he also has a project manager that checks on them. So I don't think there's a, a right or wrong answer on which way is better or more efficient for your business. It's, it just comes down to making sure you hire the right people and then holding them accountable to the to what they're supposed to be doing. All right. Let's see. Megan Lopez, who is a property analyst at Titanium Investments. She says, are there any new markets Titanium wants to tackle for 2018? So, yes. Um, we are going to be in St. Louis, Missouri in 2018. That's going to be one of our new markets. And that goes back to us wanting to broaden our rental long-term buy and hold strategies. And that's why we're going to be going to the St. Louis market outside of that. Um, I don't have any particular markets outside of St. Louis that we're looking to expand to. All right. Next question is from Gregory Monet jr. And I hope I got your name correct. Um, it could be Monet, but uh, he says, do you need to set up a new LLC if you want to do an A to B to C from your personal name slash family member slash business partner to your LLC for a flip? And I just, I clarified, are you referencing a double close? And he said, yes. So it, no, you do not need to set up a new LLC if you want to do a double close. Uh, we do double closes all the time when we wholesale properties and how we set those contracts up 
is we use, and this is in the state of Texas. So if you're in a different state or you're going to do a double close in another state, definitely check with your closing title company and an attorney to make sure that this is accurate because each state has their own laws regarding this. So I'm only going to be referencing the state of Texas. Um, what we use is the state promulgated contract from Trek, the Texas Real Estate Commission. And we take the promulgated contract and we write up a contract between the seller and ourselves. And when we are wholesaling that property to do a double close, we write up a separate contract using the Trek state promulgated contract between Titanium Investments as the seller. And then the buyer is going to be the end buyer on the C end of the transaction. So there's no need for a different LLC or new LLC. You can use the same LLC on both contracts. Um, you should be able to do a pass through of funds on that. So you don't have to use any transactional funds or bring any, any funds at all to closing and feel Greg, feel free to reach out to me. If you have any questions regarding that, uh, that is quite possibly the most experience in real estate investing that I have. So I can definitely help you through that process. All right. Nicole DeHaas, who is our office manager here at Titanium Investments, says, what is the biggest challenge you faced at the beginning of starting your business and how did you tackle it? Well, that it's kind of a difficult question to answer because, you know, we went in business for ourselves in 2012, but it wasn't in real estate. And so that business itself had its own troubles and and challenges um particular to titanium investments and when we got into real estate investing a lot of the troubles that we had was how to acquire properties and then when we did if we were wholesaling the property how did we locate cash buyers um you know we're in one of the hottest markets in the United States being in Dallas, Fort Worth. So there's no shortage of wholesalers here. So there's a lot of competition. And so that was one of our biggest challenges. Um, how we overcame those was we truly treated it like a business. And what I mean by that was, is a lot of times I see people try to get started in the real estate investing. They try to do it part time or maybe they don't dive in and learn as much as they possibly can about different strategies. Uh, we didn't sit back and wait for something to happen to springboard our business. We constantly were out there trying to find properties every way we possibly could. Um, we utilized some of the simplest tools that are available to everyone. Uh, for example, finding properties on the MLS. It takes zero marketing dollars to find a good deal on the MLS. And a lot of times I hear people say, well, you can't find a good deal on the MLS because everybody's on the MLS. That's true, but not everybody's on the MLS 24 hours a day, finding the deals as soon as they come on the market and immediately making good offers and and taking risks with no option periods and putting up high amount of earnest money and and that's what we were willing to do 
And then as far as finding the cash buyers, you know, getting out there, networking, letting people, you know, branding yourself appropriately, being, um, having a presence on social media, things along those lines is what helped us get to where we are today. And that's really how we tackled some of those challenges when we first got started is just constantly getting our name out there and always moving forward. And even when we failed, we failed forward. All right. Brian Loveless has another question. He says, what was the first employee hire titanium investments made? And how did y'all know when it was the right time to hire someone? It's a great question. So our first hire was, I think two questions ago, Megan Lopez. Um, We hired her. We created a position called property analyst. And what that was is going back to what I was just talking about, finding properties on MLS. You know, real quickly, once we started getting some traction, we started getting, getting some volume. I realized that myself and Cassie couldn't be the ones sitting there looking up properties, either on, you know, Craigslist, for sale by owners, um, MLS, all of these things, there wasn't enough time in the day. So we fell into this trap of we would get a property and then we needed to sell the property. But while we were trying to sell it, we couldn't find more properties because we were too busy trying to sell it. And so that's really, we were quick to make a hire. Um, just because I, I knew I had enough faith in the business to grow it. And so um, real quickly, we, we opened up a position for Megan. Um, we put her on a salary plus a commission. And, and that was one of the best decisions that we've made because it enabled us, it freed up time for us to continue to grow the business. And that's what I'm talking about when I say we treated titanium investments like a true business. We weren't looking at it as we were individuals trying to be real estate investors. We trusted our vision and we trusted in our business to go hire someone, make the right hire. And at that point in time, that enabled us to grow the business. And so that's why we knew it was the right time to hire someone. I believe we hired her probably, well, right, maybe a month after we decided that we were going to be real estate investing full time. So it was almost an immediate decision to hire someone. All right. Lindsay Richardson who is another Titanium Investments employee. She is an executive assistant. She says, she's got a couple of questions. Where do you see Titanium Investments in five years? It's awesome. I love it when probably my most difficult question that I ask guests gets asked back to me. So I see Lindsay's been listening. Um... In five years, I see Titanium Investments having wholesaling, very systemized, and and really I'm kind of stepped out of wholesaling, and, and I see Titanium as a whole, its focus being more on long-term buy and hold cash flowing assets. Um and and wholesaling be being a much smaller part of our revenue stream. And I would say we're probably going to be in more markets 
and as well as moving into the multifamily uh, arena. Once we have more knowledge about it and we've made better connections in that field, um, that's really where I want titanium to be in five years. She says, have you ever asked a seller if they do not like their realtor? If so, what happened and did you win them over? Um, not, not really. Um, I guess this would be like if a seller was contacting us directly um, while their house is on the market. We've always been pretty respectful um, if they have a realtor. Even if they're not happy, I mean, there's a contract in place. And and with us, you know, not one deal is going to be worth, you know, trying to sidestep a realtor. Um, and then as far as if, if they wanted Titanium Realty to be their realtor, um, I, I don't think that's really hard for us to to win them over if they're coming to us, but we would never actively pursue that. Kelly Smith. Kelly Smith is from Streamline Funding um, down in Austin, Texas. Uh, we've done a lot of deals with with Kelly, and she is a great hard money lender. So if you're if you're looking for a good lender in the state of Texas, she's in all of the major markets. Definitely reach out to Kelly. She says, "Tell me about a failed investment and what you learned." So. We had a fix and flip in San Antonio, Texas. And what the reason that this was a failed investment was due to the fact that we were remote. We did not have trusted boots on the ground in San Antonio. We thought we had a good general contractor to do the work for us, and we were wrong. And Due to that, we continued to chase our tails during the entire rehab of that property. And we ended up having to do almost everything on the property multiple times due to that. And and what we learned was is, you know, at the point in time when we bought that property, um, and we, we probably felt like we were more invincible than we probably should have. We thought that our background as a contractor and then our ability to understand real estate would outweigh being um, aware of what was going on on the project on a regular basis, and we were wrong. And so what we learned was to always have a trusted boots on the ground um, around your your rehab projects um you know another thing that we learned is always have multiple exit strategies on on a property uh we ended up turning that project into a airbnb or a vacation rental and so for about a year uh we rented it on airbnb and it was constantly rented out and, and that helped us a little bit in the fact that we lost a lot of money on the rehab side of things. Um, another thing that we learned was do not ever put, you know, the saying is, you know, don't put too many, don't put all your eggs in one basket. 
and and that's true to this project. We were not relying on the flip of that project for titanium investments. That project was almost kind of like a bonus project. If it went well and and everything turned out great, well, that would be amazing, and it was going to be a nice return. But we still kept the engine going on wholesaling, other flips, acquiring long-term rental properties. And so even though that was a failed investment, it didn't really impact us that negatively. So that's another thing that I learned was is even though you might have a project going on, don't just sit and wait for that project to finish. Keep going, keep acquiring properties, and keep trusting your ability to find good investments. All right, Lindsay asks, how do you like the rental side of things and do you like being a landlord? Well, I think I've kind of already answered that earlier with some of the other questions. Obviously, if that's going to be where we're sh- we're shifting a lot of our focus to, um, yeah, I, I do like it. Um, I mean, are there downsides to being a landlord? Absolutely, but in in the long term with when you can buy a property with equity, you're constantly gaining equity and and then you're getting the monthly cash flow. You know, I mean it just it, it to me it's one of the the best strategies where we are right now as a business. All right, Stephen Turner out of Georgia. Stephen is a wholesaler, rehabber, um investor, a great guy. I've had some really good conversations with him. He asks, "What is your favorite type of marketing?" direct mail, pay-per-click, Facebook ads, et cetera, and why? Does one tend to bring you more motivated sellers over another or have a higher response rate? So, you know, we're in a highly competitive market in Dallas-Fort Worth, and so direct mail and pay-per-click have very low response rates, or pay-per-click, you have to be very high to pay-per-click. Um, So one of the things that we did early on was we tried out Facebook ads and we've had uh, a ton of success with Facebook ads. And I'll I'll even use an example of a Facebook ad that we're using right now and why I find it to be so successful. You can be so targeted on your ads on Facebook that you can set a high daily rate that you're willing to spend but because you're so targeted on the audience that you want the ad to be shown to facebook can't even show it to enough people and so i have an ad running right now where it's so targeted on a specific zip code they have to own their house for six plus years it has to be within a certain price range So the value of the house has to be within a certain range. And there's a couple other criteria that I have on that certain ad. And I have it set for $100 a day. It's been running for about three weeks. And so far, we've spent $34. I saw it today. I looked at it. We've spent $34. And the reason why I find that to be a benefit is, is because I got a lead from it. And... We're not able to spend what I'm what I'm telling Facebook they can spend because it's so targeted. There's so few people within that target area that fit that criteria. But when that Facebook ad is shown, I know it's being shown to the right person, and I know that we have an opportunity 
to get a solid lead off of it. So today, we got a lead from that Facebook ad. Um, it, it's not going to turn out to be a contract. We made an offer on it. They turned it down. We're too far apart um, where we would need to be. Um, they they can't accept it. They owe more in the house, and they're not really that motivated. Um, they're just having to move because of uh, job relocation. So it's not going to turn out to be a contract, but we only spent $34. Whereas on direct mail, pay-per-click, we're going to be much higher per lead. And so that's why I think Facebook ads is great for people maybe on a lower budget, just getting started. You can really pinpoint where you want to get your leads and what kind of leads you want. So I always recommend Facebook ads. All right, Jeremy Dimmers asks, what are some of the things you look for in a realtor when virtually investing wholesaling slash flipping in a different state? So obviously Jeremy's asking me this. Um, he knows we, we virtual wholesale and we, we do flips in other markets. Um, one of the things that I look for in a realtor is someone that I can trust. And, and Jeremy's a perfect example of that. Uh, he proved himself to us early on, on someone that we could trust. And that's why we shifted from just doing virtual wholesaling to also doing virtual flipping there. What we learned from the San Antonio failed flip, we're not going to replicate. We're going to make sure we have trusted boots on the ground. So now we're willing to do a flip in Phoenix. Um, as far as what we're looking for in a realtor, before we even do virtual wholesaling, uh I want to make sure that they understand what it is that we're doing and that they have some kind of investment knowledge. Because a lot of times when we're doing virtual wholesaling, they are going to be the person that our buyers are going to have to meet at properties. Um, they're going to have to do the walkthroughs. They're going to have to answer questions that I can't, I can't always be there to answer. So, I want to make sure that they have knowledge of what it is we do and and the different numbers and they're not they're showing a good light to our clients. Also, when we have motivated sellers that contact us and maybe we need to go out and look at the property that they're well spoken, that they are aware of the situation and they know how to handle it with dignity and class. I think that's very important for us as a company. So really just someone that kind of clicks and fits with the overall culture that we want to build here at Titanium Investments. All right. So I'm pretty sure that's all the questions that we have. That's what we got on, on Facebook. Um, I know this was a little bit of a different type of episode um, but I, I wanted to change it up a little bit and open it up for questions. You know, I'm very appreciative of all the guests that we've had on here and the, the great stories that they've shared with us and the strategies. Uh, this will probably be something that we do, you know, every 15, 20 episodes just to get new questions out there and, and you know, kind of uh, get a feel for where the audience is and what questions they might have that maybe we don't get with a guest. So definitely look forward to getting some feedback on this episode. And I appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll see you guys next week. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. <laughs>